following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. All right, good morning once again, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Artisan Church. It's so nice to see all of you here this morning. Uh, my name is Scott. If I haven't met you, I hope that I'll get a chance to meet you before you leave today. I'm uh, proud and honored and humbled to be the pastor here at Artisan and uh, grateful for each one of you who's part of our community. Whether you're here with us in the room or joining us online using Zoom or Facebook, hi. Um, we are grateful for you being part of our community in the many ways that we can stay connected to each other in these times. Um, I'll say a little bit more about this later in the service after our um, children have been dismissed, but I would like us to begin with uh, a moment of silence um, in remembrance of those whose lives were lost last night at the shooting at an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado. So will you join me recognizing that we can't get to perfect silence and that that's okay in a moment of remembrance. On days like this, after occasions like this, this is the place that I want to be, and I, I hope that it's the place that you want to be as well. Our call to worship today is going to be read by a special group of people uh, um, who represent the, the breadth and diversity and beauty of God's creation in humanity, which I couldn't think of a better day to do that on. Uh, so it's Psalm 46. You can make this uh, your prayer, your hope. And I'll invite our friends to come and read now. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations and exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Hi, I'm Penny. Um, I don't know how many of you are aware that this is Transgender Awareness Week. And if you, if you weren't aware of the awareness, think about the irony of that. 
and today, the last Sunday of Transgender Awareness Week is known as Transgender Remembrance Day. Today is the day that we remember and honor and mourn uh, those from the transgender and non-binary and gender non-conforming communities who have died violent deaths simply for being themselves. Last year was a record. There were 50 of such deaths, at least 50 of such deaths. This year so far, there have been 32, at least 32. And we say at least because there are many deaths that were not counted that were transgender deaths because of ignorance by law enforcement or uh, bigotry or at the request of uh, transphobic family members. Uh, nor does it include those who have found themselves lost because they were shunned by their families and their communities and their churches who have just disappeared and perhaps their bodies haven't been found yet. Nor does it include those whose lives have ended at their own hands because it's better to die than to try and live the horrible life of being transgender and being shunned and attacked by a society that seems hell-bent on doing just that. Another number for you. This year, 154 anti-transgender bills were introduced in state houses around the United States. This year alone, there have been 25 anti-LGBTQ laws that have passed these houses and signed into laws. And of those 25, two out of every three of them are specifically anti-transgender bills. So it's rough out there. I was going to read uh, the lyrics to a hymn that was written recently by a poet by the name of Jay Holm, who is also a transgender man. It is an authentic Victorian-era hymn that he wrote, uh, acknowledging and mourning these losses and also a meditation on the complicity of the church and its members in these deaths. But in lieu of the most recent mass killing of LGBTQ people at a queer bar last night, and I don't know how many of the five that have died so far are gender nonconforming or transgender. I'm doing an audible, and I'm not going to uh, read that poem. Uh, I will give you a link to that if you're interested instead. I'm going to read another one of his poems that is from his book of poetry called The Backwater Sermons. And in this, you will hear a reference to a passage in Mark that alludes to a passage in Leviticus about the proper and historical, biblical and, and, and religious reaction to those who are shunned and declared unclean by society, and Jesus' reaction to that. The name of this poem is Jesus at the Gay Bar. You'll also hear a phrase that I said up here uh, when I gave a sermon a couple of years ago. He's here in the midst of it, right at the center of the dance floor, robes hitched up to his knees to make it easy to spin. 
at some point in the evening. A boy will touch the hem of his robe and beg to be healed, beg to be anything other than this. And he will reach his arms out, sweat damp and weary from the dance. He'll cup that boy's face in his hand and he'll say, My beautiful child, there is nothing in this heart of yours that ever needs to be healed. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Del Polito. I'm part of the leadership team. I'm going to be reading from Jeremiah uh, 23, verses 1 through 6. And if you'd like to follow along, uh, it's on page uh, 633 in the Red Bibles. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Well, um, there are a lot of things coming together here in our service today, and there's so much to talk about. Um, the first thing I want to say today is a word of thanks to uh, everyone on the team here at Artisan who stepped up last week when I had to call in sick just hours before the service, basically at the last minute. Um, <clears throat> and then I found out also that Jesse was sick as well, and so that they would have to step up and help in that area as well. Um, it's been a pretty taxing month for my family and me. Uh, most of you know Tracy had surgery, and uh, there's a lot of other personal stuff going on, and I, I think it all just caught up with me. You ever had one of those experiences where suddenly your body is paying the price for <laughs> uh, what you've been doing and the, the things that have been happening around you? I think that's what happened to me last week. And then I found myself for the second time in four weeks doing something that I have almost never done in my entire time uh, here at Artisan, which is tapping out the morning of service. And I'm so grateful to the people who stepped in and made things continue to function and thrive here. Um, and I'm especially grateful to Dr. Kristen Brown, uh, who volunteered to take over the sermon last week, just hours before it would have to be delivered, um, which is really quite something. And of course, she did a very capable job, as she always does. Capable is not even a big enough word. Um, uh, and it's really made me think, this, this whole month has been like a combination of um, 
humbling and joyful in this way because um, it's been a lesson in the power and the beauty and the resilience of the, the lay people who make up this community at Artisan Church. Um, and I have to say, it's my, it's my greatest point of pride as a pastor that the most valuable parts of our church community really have very little to do with me uh, on a day-to-day basis and a week-to-week basis. I've gotten some great reminders of that this month. The Clean Slate Sunday was one of those days where um, so many people were involved and it was so wonderful. Um, By the way, uh, once again, I'll tell you that if you're waiting to hear back from me because you filled something out on that Sunday, (laughs) I'm just going to continue to be grateful for your patience about that. I haven't forgotten you or lost the papers or anything. Um, It's just been one of those months. Um, And if you're waiting on me for other correspondence, by the way, you will not be uh, an irritant or an offense to me if you just send me a quick reminder. Hey, you never got back to me about this. That's something that you are allowed to do. <laughs> the big point, though, is thank you to all of you for being the church that you are. Um, it uh, means a lot to me. As Penny said, it is also a Transgender Day of Remembrance. Uh, and thank you, Penny, for sharing so powerfully and vulnerably, uh, as not, not just today, but so many times in our, uh, in our life together. Thank you for the sobering reminder of the ongoing discrimination and violence that trans people face every day in America. Um, and yes, it does make that um, tragedy, that violence that occurred last night, all the more heartbreaking. And we don't know all the details of that situation yet. We, we may never actually know the, the shooter's deepest motivations there. But one thing that I do know is that whatever the case may be in that specific instance, the Christian church in America has contributed to the anti-LGBTQ sentiment that is really in the air and in the water that we just sort of absorb as we go about our business as people in this world and in this country. And I think it's uh, so interesting when the lectionary text, which was chosen who knows how many years and years ago, gives us something like it gave us today from Jeremiah 23, um, which was always going to be the basis for today's sermon, which sermon was always going to have... um, the intention of touching on some of the same things that I'm going to say today. But it's safe to say that these recent events have perhaps sharpened that focus for me and may, as much as possible, given my still not very sturdy vocal cords, sharpen the tone of of what I'm about to say. So, I want to start in the 90s. It's, It's the best place to start. This is a book that I purchased for a class that I took in college in probably 1996, maybe 1997. It's entitled Classical Pastoral Care, Volume 1, Becoming a a Minister. It's it's Volume 1 of a uh, four-volume series by uh, Thomas Oden. Uh, And this was the first textbook that I ever read in my undergraduate program, which was in Christian ministry, It's the first one that I ever read that dealt with the actual task of being a pastor. And to this day, I remember 
the classroom where this book was assigned. I remember sitting in that classroom and learning that the primary biblical metaphor for pastoral ministry was that of a shepherd. Let me uh, read a portion of this to you. I should say that the reason I remember all of that so much is that that professor spent one entire class period with the class just teaching us what a shepherd actually does. No metaphor, just literally, what does a shepherd do? Because I don't know about you, I've never met one. <laughs> that boring uh, cocktail party question, what do, you, what do you do, is almost never answered by, <laughs> I'm a shepherd. It would be a lot less boring if it was, actually, by the way. I recommend you try that. I think that's, uh, that happened in a movie, didn't it? Fletch, maybe? I'm a shepherd. Not in my notes. Um, <clears throat> this is what uh, Thomas Oden tells us. No image has influenced the practice of pastoral care more than its chief formative metaphor, the good shepherd, caring for the vulnerable flock amid a perilous world. This central matrix of imagery has served as the foundation for other images of the pastor, guardian of tradition, guide through hazard, and physician of the flock. It is only on the basis of this axial metaphor that the pastor can reflect rightly upon due authorization to ministry. It constitutes an important link in the correlation of Christ's shepherding with contemporary shepherding. <laughs> and it goes on from there. This book, by the way, is available for you to borrow if you're interested. <laughs> uh, uh, if you just can't get enough of that. Um, a shepherd, as it turns out, I learned in my pastoral ministry care class, uh, a shepherd sort of has to be a generalist, which is to say... They have to do all kinds of different specific tasks, all in the service of the big general task that they're charged with, which is taking care of a flock of sheep. So a shepherd has to feed his sheep. A shepherd has to guide her sheep to pastures. A shepherd has to occasionally poke and prod their sheep to make sure that they're going in the right direction, and the sheep don't always like it. A shepherd sometimes has to be a, an emergency veterinarian, binding up broken bones and tending wounds. And a shepherd has to be a protector, fighting off wolves and other predators who would love nothing more than to destroy and kill and eat the sheep. But perhaps most important of all, a shepherd has to keep the flock of sheep together. Because sheep are vulnerable creatures. And there's safety in numbers. And if one of them gets away, it's important for the shepherd to bring that one back into the safety of the flock. Jesus said this, and this is one of those, I, I mentioned these types of passages once in a while. You might have heard this verse or this reference, even if you've never been to church or opened a Bible before today. Jesus said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains 
and go in search of the one that went astray. That phrase, leave the 99 to get the one, to find the one, has sort of entered our uh, cultural imagination. Um, sometimes we don't even know where it comes from. In this case, it comes from the Gospel of uh, Matthew. And there's a parallel story in the Gospel of Luke, I believe. So when we get to this passage from Jeremiah that the lectionary gave us today, I find those words especially powerful as a pastor because I have spent the last 25 years thinking of myself as a shepherd, (laughs) which I recognize would be a completely unhinged statement in, in any other context. But hopefully here it makes sense to you that I have spent 25 years in one way or another thinking of myself as a shepherd. And for a pastor who takes their task of caring for a group of vulnerable people seriously, these words from Jeremiah 23 are quite sobering. When I hear the words or read the words, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. It is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them, so I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. I think we need Samuel L. Jackson to read that passage. I think it would give it more of the weight that the prophet Jeremiah intended. I don't want to be on the other side of the prophet Jeremiah in the voice of Samuel L. Jackson speaking on behalf of the Lord. I will attend to you. It's pretty clear. Pastors who scatter God's people, who don't attend to them, will be dealt with, they'll be attended to by God. You know me by this point, most of you. I am not given to the fire and brimstone sort of preaching that you might be uh, accustomed to and and perhaps craving, some of you. I would love to talk to you if that's the case, actually. But um, The fire and brimstone stuff that I will occasionally give you is directed toward uh, religious people, not irreligious people. (laughs) Because that's what I see Jesus doing. Jesus really gets his hackles up, not at the people who are outside the religious community, warning them of the the dangers and the fate that that awaits them, but rather to the people who are inside the community, gatekeeping those other people. That's when Jesus gets really pissed off. And so I have to think, when I read Jeremiah 23, woe to the shepherds who scattered my flock. Have I done everything that I can do? Have I failed God's people in some way? I'm sure that I have. I'm sure that I have in in more ways than one on many different occasions. But I do believe that that I have done what I can on most days to keep the flock together. I, most days, I don't want you to hear me wrong. It's not that I think I'm really great. But most days, I don't think that I am actually the target of, of this prophetic word from Jeremiah. I have other, uh, other failings that should be dealt with probably. But this one, and by the way, there's another passage in Ezekiel 34, which is equally... Uh, powerful. This one makes me feel not so much like worried or afraid for whether I've 
met that particular bar, but rather powerfully sad and righteously angry at the fact that I know so many people have failed on this one. So many parts of the church have not been safe. So many pastors and leaders have scattered the flock. Because when I think of shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep, who have driven them away and not attended to them, it is very easy for me to look at the state of the church today and see that it has happened and is happening all around me. The church, which ought to have been a sanctuary for people, and I'm going to specifically say for LGBTQ plus people, that is a topic that's on our mind today, and it's the topic that has been on my mind since I looked at this passage weeks ago. But if you're not a part of that community and have been scattered by a pastor, have you been scattered out of the flock by a shepherd who should have been caring for you, please accept and believe that you can be included into all of what I'm saying as well. Um, the church which ought to have been a sanctuary for LGBTQ plus people has instead too often treated them as enemies. How many beloved children of God have gone missing from the church not because they were careless, not because they didn't love God, but because their pastors scattered them? How many wounds have festered? How many broken bones have fused out of shape because the one who should have tended those wounds and bound up those broken bones chose instead to ignore them or, to wor- or worse, to, to gouge them deeper? How many of God's beloved flock have been lost to predation because the one who should have been driving the wolves away instead was feeding them meat on the side. More than I can count. You know them, and I know them. Some of them are you. Some of you are sitting in this room or watching at home on Zoom or Facebook thinking, yes, that's happened to me. And for you, I imagine the thought of God dealing rather harshly with those who cast you out might feel like a little bit of vindication. I'm not going to tell you not to feel that way. But I am going to draw your attention to what follows in the passage. I'm going to draw your attention to the next part which is not about vindication, but rather is about healing and restoration. If you have been cast out of the flock by the shepherds who should have cared for you, take assurance in this. God is drawing you back. In verse 3 of this passage, God says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock. In other words, if the shepherds aren't going to take care of them, I will. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I've driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. 
And I give thanks to God every single time I think about each one of you who has arrived here and by the miracle of God's grace found a safe spiritual home. Not because of any of my strengths, and in fact, in spite of my many failures as a shepherd. And it's important that I say that, not to center myself or draw attention to myself, but to remind you and warn you that when the day comes that I let you down, notice I didn't say if, that God has still got you. Because you've had a pastor you trusted before. And they proved themselves not worthy of that trust. They betrayed it. May God save me from ever causing anybody that harm. But if I ever should, you can remember that it is God who calls you back and God who tends God's flock. God is the ultimate shepherd. And so please put your trust not in any person, not in any leader or pastor, but rather in the God of the universe, the one who made you, the one who called you good, the one who defends you, the one who protects you, the one who drives away the wolves that want to harm you, the one who loves you more than you could ever know. As some of our LGBTQ plus siblings reminded us at the call to worship today, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And as we head into the season of Advent, I encourage you to trust in God's promises and trust that Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. The passage in Jeremiah goes on to say, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up For David, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely. He shall reign as king. By the way, liturgically speaking, today is Christ the King Sunday, a.k.a. Reign of Christ Sunday. It's the last day of the liturgical year, and next week starts the the new calendar, uh, the new year in the Christian calendar with the, the season of Advent, and a time when we will anticipate the coming of Jesus as this righteous branch, this true ruler, this good king. Colossians 1, which we didn't even get to today, is one of the other texts in the lectionary. It tells us that Christ is the head of the church. No pastor, no leader, no human being other than Christ the King is the head of the church. And through Him, through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to Himself, to God's self, if you like, all things. If we were to read the gospel reading today, you would see on Christ the King Sunday, the lectionary editors gave us a story of Jesus on the cross. Not very regal. Speaking to those who had also been condemned and saying to one of them who reached out to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You don't need a pastor to tell you that you're good because God has already told you. So my friends, any who have been scattered for any reason, know that this was not God's will, that you should be separated from the family of God. It is God's will that you should be drawn back into the flock, back into the fold. It is God's will that you should find safety and security there. 
that you too should know the joy of spiritual community. And it is my ongoing prayer that we as Artisan Church might always be some small part of that story of restoration, of safety, and of God's embrace. May it be. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.